Hey, I'm Steve Follum. Welcome to another one. This time, what it's like being freelance for designer Stephanie Posovac. Because you feel so privileged to be a creative and to work for yourself and to, to manage your own time, it's such a luxury that you probably undercut your prices a little bit just because you're happy to be doing it. When the three projects, all the timing slide and then the deadlines are all in the same week and then you've got a week of hell. <laughs> like I, I can try to plan as best I can, but no one is ever on time. You know, the deadlines always shift. I would tell my younger self that I'm worth double. <laughs> Yeah, hello then. Welcome to another one. Really looking forward to chatting to Stephanie. She's done such cool stuff. Commissions for the South Bank Centre, Facebook, the V&A. She's exhibited at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. She's worked on an app for Stephen Fry and so much more. Let's get started by talking about how you got started being freelance. Okay. Um, oh, how did I become freelance? Um, I used to, my last full-time job, uh, I was working as a book cover designer. So I was working at Penguin in London. And uh, the way that I think I got that job in the first place was through my project on my master's um, where I was visualizing text. So I was looking at Jack Kerouac's On the Road and exploring ways of gathering data from this book and visualizing it in different different approaches. And so that was my final year project. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be a book designer. Um, so then I used that to get my job at Penguin. But then at the same time, this final year project ended up, you know, it was in an exhibition and then it got on, an, on the internet. It started to kind of explode ac- across a few blogs and some really big blogs picked it up. So um, then it was like this whole other world opened up to me of working with data and being an information designer because a lot of people saw it, a lot of people were getting in touch with me and they were asking me to do work. And so I was doing book design, but then um, I had this other thing. And so then I decided just to explore working with data and just working for myself. Um, And so that's when I... um, that's when I left book design. I mean, I still will do it occasionally, but, but as a full-time job, and it's been four and a half years, I think. Wow. Okay, let's uh, explain to people what, um, or briefly, what information design or visual design, data designer, I think you call yourself sometimes, don't you? Yes. H- how would you explain that? Generally, I tend to work with data and make it visual in order to make it clear and usable and um, make it easier for people to understand that data. So that came off the back of a master's. So what were you doing before the master's? Oh, well, so uh, I did my master's um, maybe 10, God, it's really coming up now, uh, maybe nine years ago is when I graduated. Um, but So before then, I was just um, floating around. I had finished my my bachelor's, I'm well originally from Denver, Colorado, so I finished my BA, but I really liked London, and I thought I wanted to get... Um, in America, when you have a liberal arts degree, like what I have, it's quite broad. You, you know, you're not just taking design. So I wanted to have a more intensive period of study with design, and that's how I ended up taking the MA. 
So I wasn't doing much before the masters. Often we hear, like for freelancers, it's a good idea to find your niche, and it sounds like you almost determined that in your choice of masters. If that was like information design type stuff, uh, you already had that in mind. Well. That question makes it seem like I knew what I was doing, <laughs> but I came from a print background. I was studying print methods of creating graphics on my MA, and so I was doing this thing uh, that was something that I love. Like I've always loved literature, and I think I do like very kind of analytical type of projects anyway. So on my MA, I did something I love, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know there was a place for me at the time you know it wasn't it, I wasn't really made aware of it on my course maybe because it was kind of quite a new area for graphic designers to be exploring so yeah there was no plan it's just maybe the right place at the right time might have been better a better way of describing it uh, another thing which I particularly like was the fact that for some people we've heard like through previous guests doing a side project can sometimes be a way to get your dream projects uh, now, albeit that your side project was part of your course, it it was taking that time to do something that you cared over that then went viral and led you down the path of doing what you do now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it was because working with something that you love and that you're incredibly interested in and you are committed to and are passionate for um, I think when you explain that project and you show that project to people, um, people can tell that that love and kind of interest is there. So because of, yeah, so in both of those fields, um, book design and data visualization, they stem from that, in that final project, like I chose to work with something that I loved. I was spending a year working on it. So I worked with, you know, a book uh, that meant a lot to me when I was a teenager, and I just really wanted to get to know this this text um, on the road. Um, and so, because that's yeah, that was the focus of the project. So it was love for sure. You still seem to keep that drive of doing side projects alive, because even though you know you're busy working as a freelancer, you're definitely still doing something on the side, which isn't. Uh, directly for money, got a huge project on the go, right? Uh, yes, I do. It's not for the money. It is a massive side project, and it can be overwhelming sometimes, but the project, it's called Dear Data, and uh, it's uh, something that I'm doing with my collaborator. In, she lives in New York. Her name's Georgia Lupi. She's the design director of Accurat, an information design company, and... Um, We've only met each other four times in person, but uh, a year ago we wanted to get to know each other better. So um, we decided that for a year we would, each week we would have um, a type, a theme um, where we would track data about ourselves for a week. So it could be anything like how many thank yous we've said, how many, all sorts of themes. And then we visualize it we create like a a data visualization of that by drawing it on a postcard and sending it to the other so if that makes sense to a non a potentially non-data visualization audience it is so uh actually cute is the word for starters it's it's this really lovely thing we'll put links in the show notes at beingfreelance.com uh you have to check these out as well but 
it's doing that something for the love of it again, which I'm sure is is going to get you noticed in the field of what you want to do, right? Uh, yeah, and I guess unless you can get funding, projects like this are very difficult to, you know, to get paid for commercially. But just by doing these, it means more people um, see my work. I mean, because just by us doing this project, and it is, it does take up a lot of time every week. I mean, it's probably like eight hours a week. Um, and then there are other things that are happening with it. And it, it can be um, quite a lot of work sometimes. But I mean, the publicity that we've gotten for this project, I mean, we've just had, had it across so many major media sites in the US and in the UK. And then I mean, I, I find that more people are getting in touch with me for commercial work because of it, I think. So I can I, I think there's a, a slight uptick. And how did you then go about finding your clients working as a freelancer with your data design? Um, well, I am probably in a slightly privileged position in that when I quit my job as a book cover designer, there were already people getting in touch with me, like quite a few. So I was able to go freelance with people knowing who I was already there. So I guess the way that I get clients is I speak at a lot of conferences. I give a lot of interviews or a, well, or a podcast like this. You know, I'm always talking about my work. Um, and then I guess I'm just trying to make as many friends as possible at all of like the conferences that I speak at. And then also personal projects um, just for self-promotion. I like the way that you say that you're making friends at those conferences. You haven't used the word networking, which is nice. Well, I, I am not a networker at all. I just that I should be. And, but I think it's better just to have friends. Uh, it, just, it, it feels easier for me. I mean, you are building a network, right? But yeah. um, if I say making friends, it, it makes it, it less scary for me. I mean, <laughs> one of the main reasons I speak at conferences is because then I don't have to approach people. Uh, people have already heard me speak, so they come up to me because I don't like to approach people. So that's how I get around that. Nice. And so I guess the question then is, how did you get into doing those speaking engagements? Was it just one chance invitation? Yeah, I think... It's not anything that I actually plan to do. I, I mean, if when I finished my master's, you said, oh, you'll be giving talks about your work and traveling to do it. I, I don't think that I would have expected that. I think um, someone just asked me and I don't, it just picked up over time. And I think I've just gotten better at it. And the more people that see you speak, the more people will invite you to their events and so on. And I, yeah, I actually really enjoy it. So... So would you say, actually, that, that, that sounds like that is quite a key part of your getting known and therefore bringing clients towards you? Yeah, I think um, the speaking is part of it. Although when it comes to conferences, you, 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 it's difficult to know how effective or the impact that they'll have. Sometimes I'll only know two years down the line that somebody, oh, yes, I know you from this, <laughs> from that. And then that's when it when it comes around. Um, but I would say that um, in regards to uh, yeah, finding clients or finding jobs, because I work for myself, I'm probably not the most proactive. Like if I had a studio, I'd probably be a little bit more proactive. But because it's only me 
and my income, I, I kind of bumble along just hoping for the best. And then if I don't have any work on, I email a few friends or contacts to see if they know anyone and then see what happens. So. That's such a lovely casual way of doing it, isn't it? That's It's great. But you also do workshops and teaching. Now, yeah, yeah, that's come up. Again, one of those things that just happened. <laughs> when it comes to pricing, was that something that you found difficult because what you do is pretty specialist. There's not perhaps that many of you doing it. Therefore, there's not much of a guidance. Is that a help or hindrance? I don't know. Uh, well, I, I think what I found actually with pricing is um, I tend to underprice myself, which I'm sure a lot of freelancers do. And so at the moment, I'm, I think um, I've just realized that um, I need to actually charge more. But in regards to um, pricing, I've actually found it better being in a niche, um, more technologically minded space as a designer, because I can actually command a higher day rate. Because the way that I work with design in comparison to just uh, doing traditional graphic design like like. Uh, you know, designing layouts or, or just doing things that are a little bit more general, um, because it is more specialist, it actually is more valuable. It's, there are less people doing it. So that has actually been great for me. How have you found sort of managing the, the business side of it? Well, I don't know if I am... I'm not sure if I'm managing it as well as I should be, actually. And, and that is um, a challenge... I guess it's something that I wrestle with often is that I always wanted a job where I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, or right now I've gotten the job that I want to do, which is, um, you know, often I'll do commissions or I'm doing more creative projects. And so I've gotten what I wanted, but it doesn't pay as well as, um, you know, being more business minded. So I haven't quite figured out how to reconcile myself with that. Um, I guess I have realized that while I do the creative things, um, I'm thinking about what skills I can build for myself that are um, kind of more commercial. And, and you know, I, I have like the straight and narrow skills and then I have the weird artistic skills like for two, <laughs> two sides of my practice. And And how about dealing with your, you know, like with the finances side of it? I've always found it difficult. <laughs> I'm, I've been freelance for four and a half years or five years soon. And I don't worry so much about not get, having work come in. Um, so that I don't worry about. But it's more of people paying on time and cash flow. that I still haven't figured out how to make sure that everything's ticking along nicely. So that's the most frustrating bit is like when people don't pay on time or when projects get stalled and you know, you've got to like readjust your, um, you know, to make sure you have money coming in. I, I still haven't figured out how, like a, a way of reconciling that. Yeah, project stalling is an interesting one. I think it's just tricky when, um, when, when these things bleed, I mean, well, financially, but then also when the three projects, all the timing slide and then the deadlines are all in the same week mm. and then you've got a week of hell. <laughs> Um, is, is the other like problem. I like, I, it, it's very difficult to 
I mean, I guess every freelancer has to experience it, like sliding schedules and and things never like I, I can try to plan as best I can, but no one is ever on time. You know, the deadlines always shift. As, you know, one of the benefits of freelancing is the whole work-life balance uh, that people talk about. Um, you're sounding pretty happy. I'm imagining you've got that, that nailed. Um, well, hmm. <laughs> right now, I, well, be, like I said, because I'm working on Dear Data, that's taking up a lot of time. It is an intensive project, and I don't think we really realized how much time it would take every week. So luckily I have a very uh, patient husband and he's really supportive. So right now I would actually say that I'm probably working a little bit more than living. But I, I guess the difference between the way I used to be and the way I am now is that if I work a lot, I'm generally doing it for myself and for projects that I care about instead of doing it for other clients. Like if anything spills over to the weekend, it's me drawing a postcard, generally not doing commercial work. And so that somehow um, makes it a little bit better. And then finally, like I have a husband who I need to see in the evenings, who is much better with his work-life balance than I am. And so that holds me to account. You know, it does make sure that you know, we're not working together in the evenings. We spend time together. And, and that reminds me that I need to get my work done and I need to go home. So, Do you work from home? I have a studio uh, that I share with four other freelance, well, three other freelancers. So there's four of us. Oh, right. So was that something where you've all gone out deliberately to rent a space or is it like a co-work type space? What's, um, how's that work? Well, I um, when I originally went freelance, I... Share. I had a desk in a studio with some friends, and actually, I um, I managed this studio space uh, with a friend who is also an ex uh, Penguin employee. So I share a studio with two writers and then a, a publisher. So it's a very bookish um, studio still. But we had just shared studios together for a while, and then. Um, I, I, I live outside of Brixton and so does he. So we just wanted to be able to walk to work. So, yeah, because I normally always had a desk in East London and then would travel to get there. We realized, well, we're freelance. We can set up wherever we want. Why don't we just do it closer to home? So so what, you, you went and like rented an office? And- yeah, we rented an office. And, yeah, because Brixton isn't um, like a, a technological or creative hub um i mean it's it's a great area but it's not a business or studio centered area we get more space and less rent than trying to be somewhere i guess trendy or or cool (laughs) but how how do you find it then well presuming you like it working with other people like you know having that uh, this comes from somebody who works from home um well i prefer it Sometimes you just need people to talk to. And I suppose the only thing that I've been missing a lot lately is I work with people. We have a chat. We'll go for lunch. And then if I need to, I'll work from home. But one thing that um, I haven't done for years is work with other designers um, in the same space. And so I found that recently I've been, um, you know, thinking, oh, it'd be kind of great to to work with um, 
like designers or artists. So that way, um, you know, I'd have, we, we, we'd have those sorts of conversations a little bit more often, but, but otherwise it's great. I love the fact that you, instead of, um, you know, commuting to somewhere which had the space that you might think you should have, you decided to create it right near where you are, collaborating with other people to create what you wanted because nobody else had already created it. I like yeah, I, I, I think sometimes, um, or at least working in London, it feels like you need to be in a certain place as a freelancer. And like you need to have a desk, at least as a designer or someone working in digital, that it needs to be in East London, it needs to be in Shoreditch. I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoyed, uh, like, I did have a studio, well, a desk there it, in different desk spaces for a few years, and it was great. But I don't know if it actually brought me any more business than, I don't think it actually made that much of a difference. It just meant I made more friends. So maybe it did. But yeah, I decided that it's not worth trying to set up a business or be where it's cool. You can get along fine uh, elsewhere. You're making your own call is what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and then that must make it easier to split the, you know, keep your work from infiltrating into your home. Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, the only issue is that I actually do a lot of my drawing from home for my, my project, my Dear Data project. So there's a lot of um, pens and um, pencils and just like strewn across the dining room table that I'm sure my husband would like to see the back of. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the divide is nice and I walk to work and so it's a half an hour walk. So it's um, like a, a nice amount of time to get some exercise and clear my head. When it comes to that, uh, to the side projects that you've done, have you done others beyond, you know, before Dear Data to sort of keep yourself creative and expand what you do? Yeah, I, um, I've done a few other side projects. I mean, it'll just be little things like art prints or posters that I might sell. Although I find that when it comes to side projects, it, it generally, it's nice to have a, a deadline to, to make me actually do the work. So if I, for example, a, a few years back, I was in an exhibition. So that compelled me to produce some new, new prints for that. So I do occasionally, I, I think it is really important. But again, at the same time, it's just finding that balance between, you know, having a personal project, but then also work, worrying, like working on your professional development and then also making money. So Yeah, yeah. It, it is that thing where, you know, when you're doing client work, there's a, there's a deadline. And when you're doing your own thing, it, it, it would be very easy to let it slide and not do it. Yes, yeah. And that's why I think that this year-long project that I'm working on now has been so successful is because there's two of us and we know each other well, but we don't know each other well enough to cut the other one's slack. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you still want to make sure like, you want to impress. You want you don't want to let the other person down. So yeah. it does um, make you give you that drive to keep the project going. Yeah, it's like having a gym buddy. You're more likely to go to the gym if, if you know you've got to go there with somebody. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I think that um, collaborative personal projects if you find the right person, are actually a really good way to get things done. Nice. Now, we always ask 
tell me, and I feel bad about this because before we started, Stephanie was basically saying, uh, it sounds like Stephanie's too honest to play this game well, um, <laughs> uh, which is a credit to your parents. So tell me three facts about yourself or your career. Make two true, one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. Okay. I used to work at a record store. Yeah. I've designed an album cover for a huge band and I have my own record label. Oh wow, I like I like the link between all of these three. Okay. So who was the band that you designed a, a, a an album cover for? Um, it's something that I did a few years ago. I actually uh, did it when I was at Penguin, and I, it was a collaboration with my brother-in-law, Greg McInerney. So um, we were uh, we created the album artwork for OK Goes of the Blue Color of the Sky. So you know the band that you've seen like doing dances on treadmills yes. and stuff. And so it, we were doing effectively text visualization. So. Um, collaborating together to do their album artwork. Um, cool. Yes. So. Um, uh, um, record store? Yeah, it was when I was um, 18. I don't know, it was probably, you know, one of the best summers of my life, you know, that, that sort of, that sort of uh, <laughs> summer where I worked at Tower Records and I was head of the, the dance music sections. Did you get people coming in, like, humming songs at you to try and get you to, you know, pre-Shazam, were you for Shazam yes, to go yes, to? Yes, yes, I was. I was I was Shazam. It was Well, it was a long time ago. I mean, people still bought CDs then, which is, seems crazy now. <laughs> Somebody should do that, just a more human version of Shazam where you have to phone up and hum the song at them until they figure out what it is. That would be... I bet that would do well. Yes, yeah, they should make an app... It, it would be like, uh, I don't know, chat roulette for Shazam. Yeah. Right, chat I'll, roulette. I'll make a note. And what was the other one? Uh, oh, you run your own record label. Yeah, well, I mean, that is, uh, like, that, that is, that is the lie. I know, <laughs> I, know, um, I know people that do run their own record label, um, but, and I, I've designed uh, artwork for other people's labels, but I don't, um, I don't myself. I was just trying to keep the, um, yes. the album thing. So it was... You know, trying to keep that thread rolling through there. <laughs> you, Stephanie, you're the first person to confess uh, before I guess. That's, uh, that's uh, it's like I can't hold it in anymore. That was a lie. Yeah. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? Uh, I guess uh, I would say uh, not to be afraid. Um, and you're worth more than you think. Yeah, those are probably... The, the two main things because when I went freelance I was really I was so scared about making that leap and I it's the type of thing where you you're like wow almost five years now how how did that happen you know it just time marches on and because you feel so privileged to to, to be a creative and and to make your you know to work for yourself and and to to manage your own time it's such a luxury but yeah, I think you probably undercut your prices a little bit just because you're happy to be doing it. And I think, yeah, I would tell my, my younger self that I'm worth double. <laughs> I like that. I, th- I almost think you should get that made into T-shirts. Uh, yeah. For, for, for one of the conferences you speak at or when you teach. That's nice. Speaking of which, though, like now, now you're got getting to that five-year point, do you set yourself goals 
because it's I find that it's so easy to get caught up in the day to day, the week to week, the month to month. It's easy to get caught up in that and therefore not have a further game plan. Do you or are you just well, seeing Well, I mean I you? I mean like my I have goals but they they slide quite a bit. Um I think maybe now that I'm hitting the 5 year mark, I need to figure out what what I really want to do because I'm not sure Part of being freelance means that you're doing a variety of things. And so I just need to understand what my focus is. But I mean, my main goals for the next year is taking time off to learn and to, to build new skills. Because that, I think that will be the thing that will tip me over into the next stage of my, my freelance existence. Awesome. What a great way to finish. How can people find you online if they, uh, you know, they want to reach out to you? Well, I have a website, stephaniepasovic.co.uk or Steph Pass on Twitter is a good place as well. Steph with an F, Pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephanie, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Mm-hmm, no problem. And best of luck being freelance. Oh, thank you. So there you go. How nice was she? And very modest, I think, as well. If you take a chance to check out her website and what she's actually been up to, it's it's hugely impressive. And I don't think her career can be quite as laissez-faire as it sort of comes across. I think in order to achieve what she's done, there must be a lot of drive and ambition. Let's face it, you don't even, uh, you know, like leave your own country and go and live somewhere else and study and stuff. Anyway, and I can't stress enough that you really should check out her Dear Data project because it's um, it really is quite something and no, no wonder it's being talked about quite so much. Do take a look, beingfreelance.com, where you can also sign up for updates about the, uh, the podcast. You can now do that, beingfreelance.com as well. Come on, you don't have enough email subscriptions, right? Uh, I know, what, what harm's another one going to do? Waffer Fin Mint, just one more. Go on. Right, anyway, I've got to go. You've got to go too. You're probably busy after all. Have a great week. Being freelance. Mm-hmm.